Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Messup, coming at you with a fresh new show here in the beautiful weather that we are enjoying in Minnesota in September in the year 2021. Got a great guest on making a second appearance on the show, but haven't had him on in a few years. Mr. Rich Matson is not only one of the finest musicians to come out of Minnesota, but one of my favorite Minnesota musicians. He put out a record called Skylights in February 2021 with his band Rich Matson and the North Stars, featuring his lovely significant other, Jermaine Gemberling, and they're recorded at his studio, Sparta, Minnesota, at Sparta Sound. We're going to listen to about four songs today. Get caught up with uh, my good buddy, Rich, who just happens to be, because he's a northern Minnesota boy, setting up a campsite in northern Minnesota. Rich, how are you doing right now? I'm doing pretty good. Look out here first, and we're going to camp again got a weekend off so we thought we'd take advantage of this nice fall weather and get out and enjoy it and get some fishing in and you know then probably wrap it up for the for the season yeah it's uh we're turning the corner on that but uh you you know i've been at your studio a handful of times and you guys literally are what most city people would consider you live out the sixth way and then to double down, then you go camping either further in the woods because that's sounds like that's where your happy place is. Yeah, well, we love we love playing our shows and we love getting into the city, but we gotta we gotta mix it up. And you know, I, I grew up in Eveleth, and you know, the reason I moved back here was just because I was up here in in August of 2005, and just came across this beautiful old church for sale it was a good deal and it was the right time of year you know that that great going into fall iron range i don't know there's the scent in the air and and the just the whole climate it was just everything just fell into place and here Uh, we are you know it's funny rich because even though we grew up uh you know, in towns three miles away from each other, you and Evelyn, me in Virginia, Minnesota, we never really knew each other up there. Of course, you're a little bit younger. But then yeah. when you out of Minneapolis, you had a little recording studio in your garage, which was right yeah. up the street from me on Washington Street Northeast in Bucolic, Northeast Minneapolis. So this is not your first studio. I mean, you've had quite a bit of experience kind of bootstrapping recordings like this together i started out in around 1991 or 92 see i was i moved to minneapolis in 87 and i didn't really know what i was going to go into i i took some college classes and i i was going into radio and television but i wanted to do something in music and and uh i moved into this house that had a pretty nice big basement with, with and uh, I was living there with some other musicians and I came across this 
recording setup as a 12-track machine with a built-in mix mixer. And I thought that's my ticket. You know, I want to I want to buy this thing. It was twenty five hundred dollars, and a lot I of money. A recording machine, and I just said I got a studio now. We put a put a window in the in the between the bedroom and the and the practice space in the basement and called it a studio. And that was Flowerpot okay. Studio down on thirty oh nine Garfield, South Minneapolis. And that's that's where I started recording, and I was working as a courier, uh, you know, in a van at the time. Before that, I worked at a car wash, and just kind of, I just wanted to rock and roll. Yeah. And I uh, was able to get the studio business going, just, just recording my friends' bands, and it kind of built from that. Over the years, Rich, how many bands do you think you've recorded? It's got to be somewhere around five or six hundred different groups. Wow, performers. I mean, just and you know, a lot of times it'll just be a solo artist, and I'll bring in some other people to to play drums or bass, and you know, add to it. So there's, yeah, there's anybody in every kind of music, and a lot of a lot of variety. I'll say that. So you're saying you're doing you do country and western. Country and Western and experimental country. You know, I uh, was really enjoying your record, Skylights, in the last couple of days, and we will be listening to three or four tracks from that. But since you moved up to uh, Sparta Sound, when did you actually open the doors, and who was your first recording client? Uh, I moved up there in October of 2005. And it took a while to get set up because it was a church, like full on. It had the pews in there and an altar. And I took all that out of there and built, I built a control room. I had to put a shower in the place. There was no shower in there. So it made the ladies' room into the, the shower bathroom and kind of set up a bedroom where the what was the nursery of the church. And the first sessions I had, I guess it was Little Black Books. I was Mark Linkless band. And then I had the Gleam up there. I remember the Gleam was recording, and I still had a bunch of junk laying around. The control room wasn't even finished. I had the control room back in the bedroom. And, and I mean, there was there was all kinds of uh, building materials, and the pews were probably still stacked up in the corner. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a mess. But, but those guys had faith in me, and, and they were kind enough to... The, make the trek up there and, and try out the, the studio. And well, eventually it got all set up. Probably I was probably up and running by like July or August, like with everything in place. So how many bands do you think just Sparta Sound has done or just musical acts? Hard to say. I, I don't know. It's, it's getting up there. It's probably, I, I, I don't really keep a tally, but it's got to be somewhere around 250 or so. Wow, I keep pretty I keep pretty busy, and right now I've well, got I've got five projects I'm working on, and and I I'm getting some calls. You know, I made T-shirts over over the uh, lockdown, and and now the now the name is really getting out there. I'm getting, <laughs> getting a lot of inquiries about the studio, and might have to open up Studio B. That's fantastic. Well, you know, you and I have both been in the biz long enough to know. Uh, 
the money is either number one on the reunion tours, number two in the t-shirts, right? <laughs> because yeah, you you know these days, yeah. I mean, it, it blows your mind. We, you and I still put out CDs, but your new computer doesn't have a CD. Your new truck or car doesn't have a CD. Uh, anybody under thirty-five doesn't listen to CDs. So keep working on that t-shirt business. It's uh, could be yeah. a nice slow. I never, I never thought I'd be a haberdasher. <laughs> you and Curtis say. Yeah, I know it's crazy, but yeah, I, you know I still do listen to CDs, and and we do they do trickle out there. It's kind of like a business card these days, where yeah. you, know, you gotta you gotta have you gotta have a few copies, and and you know there's I like how you know we could put it up on CD Baby and they get it to all the you know Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff, and you can go and check and see if anyone's listening to it. And yeah, and it's, it's nice to see we've got some plays. And also another great site for musicians is that uh, Bandcamp. Yeah, and we've got I've got all my music on Bandcamp, pretty much everything since I started, even some old demos and stuff. I just put it all out on Bandcamp, and that's fun to you know just see who's listening to what. We've got uh, Rich Matson on the Wall of Power Radio Art for the whole show tonight, and. Uh, yeah, well, we, the reason why we put out CDs and make records is because we like telling stories. We're going to listen to a track off uh, Rich Madsen and uh, the North Star's new record as of February 2021 called Skylights. And uh, here's a song called Just Telling Stories. We'll be back with Mr. Madsen all night tonight on the show. Second set of the Wall of Power Radio are. This is your host, Paul Messon, my good friend on the other line, camping somewhere around Babbitt, Minnesota, with his lovely gal, Jermaine, and their little puppy dog. Rich, uh, tell us a little bit about when Skylights was started to be written. How long had some of these songs been sitting around for? Well, you know that song, Just Telling Stories, I had that riff for, for a couple of years. I just pick up a guitar and do, 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 but I never had any words to it. 
until yeah, just be, until after we laid it down. We, we mm-hmm. put down the music first. What's that? I said I love the riff. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and you know Keely Lane drumming on that—that's right up his alley. You know he's got that shuffle beat, and and uh, we laid down the music first, and I and I just slaved over some lyrics for it, and and just telling stories. You know, I just 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 I just like that line. You know, just telling stories. You know, maybe some bad stuff happened, maybe some good stuff happened, and and we're right. telling stories. No crime. You know, is what happened. That's the facts, Jack. And then, yeah, uh, right. A, a lot of those songs. Well, I just, I, they, they seem to come in batches, you know, I'll get like a batch of three songs and then, and then I'll think I'm done and I don't have any more ideas. And then I'll start waking up with song ideas every day. And I'm like, Oh, the muse is back. I better pick up a guitar and, and save this one before it's gone. And, you know, they just, they just pile up over, over the course of a year or a year and a half, two years. I try to put out an album every year and, and, keep up with it and and just just uh i mean i live in a recording studio i've got to use it and i, I try to it's 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 good for i mean i i love it and and it's like an audio journal yeah I, I can go back to the records that i put out and kind of imagine where i was at at the time and you know going back to the glenn russells back in the early 90s and their lifetime to me sometimes you know think about it rich Manson, how many records have you put out under your name or bands that uh were your bands well it started with the glenn russells when i well actually i was in a band in high school called the imports that that i started writing songs with and we we made two albums just on with jay hoyland jay hoyland recorded oh, one of them I, and I, I recorded another one on four track and we've got, well, they never actually got released, but you know, we were, we were working on stuff. So with all that included, there's got to be about 30 different albums. Wow. With the, from the imports, Glenn Russell's old yeller, uh, the Tisdales, Jermaine and I have done about 10 records on our own. I mean, between, her, her stuff and my stuff, and now with the North Stars, the North Stars have five albums out. And we're going to feature a song at the end of the show that Jermaine sings on. There's a lovely yeah. version of Kiss the Sky. But, Rich, uh, I think when I had you on the uh, show a few years ago, you told me a great story. You were living in Eveleth, and, uh, and you got to tell him that accent you told me about. And you heard... Uh, the flaming arms for the first time coming out of somebody's bedroom window. Do you remember that story? Yeah, I do. I was, I was walking stop. down West First Street in West Eveleth there, a little village, and I just heard this this bass guitar do 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 do. I'm like, whoa, what's that? And then it went into that song. That's just fine with me. And it, it was the flaming arms, but I didn't know who it was, and I hollered up the hollered into the house. I go, Bobby, what are you listening to? He goes, it's the Flaming Oars. Who? The Flaming Oars. They're from the cities. And when he said they're from the cities, that that blew my mind. I didn't know that it was possible to make that kind of music down in the cities and get it out on a record. So I was probably like 13 years old. And my 
that sealed my fate right there, just knowing that they were making music like that in Twin Cities. Did you ever tell and Robert Wilson, uh, the guitar I, player from Lemon that story? I did tell him that story. I don't even know if he believes me, but I've told it to him several times. I said, you're the reason I moved down here, dude. And I, I just love the guy. And, and what was so awesome is uh, the last band, the last album I completed while I was in the Twin Cities was the Flamin' O's Long Live, Long Live the King. Really? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I was kind of serendipitous. Perfect circle. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that wasn't planned or anything. It just that just so happened to be about that was that was the last album I, that came to completion at Flower Pot Studios. You know, Rich, I, I've uh, followed you from near and afar for years. Of course, you know now we've known each other since the '90s, and yeah. I've been to each better year by year, which I really enjoy. But uh, every time I go and see you playing, you're playing that. I don't know if it's a white falcon, but you're playing a Gretsch, and occasionally when you're rocking those mutton chops, I go, that guy listened to some Buffalo Springfield somewhere along the way. Yeah. Well, I, I, I just love Neil Young. I grew up playing guitar to his music. He was one of those guys, you know, when I, when I first wanted to play music, it was all, all I could get my hands on was like heavy metal and Southern rock and, 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 uh, it all seemed so technical. I just, I just thought I was going to be the bass player, you know, and I played, you know, I listened to that first Van Halen album, just a dong, dong, dong. I'm like, I can do that. And right. I picked up the bass and right away I could play bass. And I was playing bass with my cousin's bands and stuff like that. And, and eventually I heard Neil Young and I went, wait a minute, wait a minute. This guy is rocking out. He's playing these open chords and, and they're rocking, and everybody loves it, and I love it too. And it was—I mean, being on the higher range, it didn't have exposure to a lot of stuff, you know. So, right when I first the first song I heard from Neil Young was uh, "Hey Hey My" or no, it was "My My Hey Hey," the acoustic version. I'm like, who is uh-huh. this weirdo, you know? And and uh, it just made me all warm inside. Like, gosh, I could I could learn how to play this song. And uh-huh. I, I picked up an acoustic guitar and I learned all of his songs. Eventually, I, I wound up in a new wave band and new wave was all the rage in the 80s. And our bass player wouldn't play Neil Young. So I had to leave that alone for a long time. And we played stuff like the Cars and the Plimsolls and Squeeze and Huey Lewis. We, we covered all of that stuff in high school. But eventually I, I uh, got back to the Mutton Chops and the Neil Young stuff and now I now I play in a Neil Young tribute band once in a while. Yeah, my brother. That's World on a String with Alan Sparhawk from Low, correct? It, the band is called uh, Titans. World on a String was a was an earlier incarnation of that was John Eric Didi. Oh yeah, right. That yeah. Was Tell us about the one with you and Sparhawk. Um, that that came up. Jesus, almost. I think it's seven years ago already. Uh, there was a there was an opening at the Twins Bar in Duluth. They were looking for a band, and and my band didn't want to play, or they couldn't. They weren't available. So, I I remember a conversation I had with Al Sparhawk about starting a tribute band, and I got a little cocky with him. I said, "I'll play. I'll start. We could book a gig this weekend. And I'll 
we could play Neil Young songs all night. And he said, I'm in, I'm in, I'm game, let's do it. And uh, they were looking for that band at the Twins Bar, and I said, let's put that band together, Al. He said, I'm game, let's do it. And we wound up playing four hours of Neil Young songs at the Twins Bar. I think it was like a February date in, in Duluth, and we had such a blast that we decided to just do it a couple times a year. You know, not make it our regular thing, but, you know, he's got low, which is, yeah. you know, they're 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 pretty well known <laughs> to say yeah. the least. And I've got the North Stars. I gotta do my original stuff. That's that's my passion. But but playing Neil Young songs with Al Sparhawk is, is quite a thrill and we get to really just jam out on those on those Gretches. He got a Gretch that looks just like mine now and it's really fun. He he didn't want to play it at first. I go, You gotta play that one. You got matching Gretsch <laughs> guitars. It's so fun. That's so cool. I well I had the uh uh, the opportunity and pleasure a couple of years ago, oh, so I guess maybe more than a couple, I did a gig up in Duluth in the basement of the Red Herring. It's part of the, uh, when they did a WDSC TV, did a, a documentary on myself and Catch on the Stars, our 40th anniversary. So I was up there for that. And I was in the basement of the Red Herring and uh, the Neil Young tribute band with Sparhawk, you guys were playing upstairs. Our yeah. sets were at the same time, and I could hear a little bit of what I was playing, but you guys were loud. I loved it. Yeah. It was <laughs> a now, very what? loud band. And there was one time we were playing at Earth Rider, and there was a train coming. There's a there's like a there's some, something going on with trains behind the behind the stage there. There's a and there's a corner. And this train was coming around the corner and just screeching. The the wheels on the track were just screeching and screeching. And Al started mimicking that sound with his guitar. I, and I was digging in my pockets for my earplugs. I'm going, oh my god, I'm going to go deaf. And my <laughs> career is over. <laughs> it's a pretty now, loud band. What do you call that? What do you, what do you call your Neil Young tribute band, the Sparhawk? That's called Tired Eyes. Anytime we change a member, though, we 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 name it after a different Neil Young song. There, there's there's a guy named Jim Greedle, who kind of got me into the whole tribute scene with with the whole Neil Young tribute bands. And uh, when he plays with us, we call it. Uh, oh God, I'm gonna mess this up now. What do we call it? Uh, we got a different name for the band when he plays with us too. Well, if I'll you got. If you use the Neil Young songs, you've got several hundred to choose from. We've got Rich Masson on the Wall of Power Radio Hour all night. We're going to end uh, this set with a song called Iowa off the Rich Matson and uh, North Stars record called Skylights. Back with Rich for two more sets. Never drew flies in Iowa. Never drew conclusions in algebra. Never gonna see my dog again until I make it back. So I'm gonna drive us all the way, white knuckle blizzard till the break of day. The show goes on and you gotta play, best muster up some steam. It's what you make of the time, we can hear the shine. So bright it blind Hope the summer is here tonight Don't leave me alone in my dim Welcome back to the third set of the Wall of Power Radio. This is your host, Paul Metza. We just heard the song, Iowa, 
by my guest, Rich Madsen, his band, The North Stars, after February 2021 release, Skylights. Rich, uh, tell us a little bit about the song, Iowa, and also a little bit about, uh, you've been a bit of a road warrior over the years. And now you're kind of coming out post-COVID and uh, doing some shows on the road. So talk about the song and then tell us some more stories. Well, lately we've been we've been more or less a Minnesota band. We we stay a little closer to home these days. I spent I spent about well, four or five years on the road with Old Yeller in the early two thousands, and as the song says, never drew flies in Iowa, and that's because, well, you know, we did we did real good out in New York City. We did real good down in Austin, Texas, and even Dallas, Texas, and we did real good out in Ohio, but we'd, we'd always have this last show in Iowa and there'd be like three or four people there. And it's just, you know, you never know that you sometimes closer to home. You, you, you expect big things. We used to drive all the way to Chicago with the Glenn Russells and play the, play the four or five people at Phyllis's musical Inn. You know, here's a here's a town of seven million people. You'd expect, you'd think there'd be, you know, maybe a hundred people that might want to check out some good Midwestern rock and roll. Yeah, and we'd go in there with a with a great attitude, and and we'd come out drunk and wondering what we were doing there. But we'd always have a good time. Well, and who you were younger then, and you could handle the long drives, the setup, playing, tear down, and yeah, you know. Well, you slept in the van sometimes, crashed on floors. Occasionally, we had some money to share in a couple of rooms. Uh, but there's a certain, and you and I have talked about it before, person. there's a certain glory in that, too, especially when you're a young buck. You Absolutely. Know? We had the best of times, and, and we, we used to challenge ourselves to see how far we could go without getting a hotel room. And, and we wound up in some weird places. But we live to tell, and you know, if you come away with anything from all of it, it you get some damn good stories. Yeah. Well, it's, it toughens you up too. Yeah. Oh heck yeah! You see the no, country well, and play. make friends all I, over I, the country. Well, that's one of the beauty, uh, beautiful things about it. Now, where, where did you play down in Austin, Texas? Because I know that town pretty good. We we played a lot at uh, the Hole in the Wall. Oh yeah, I love that and place. That was my first gig down there. We played at the Continental Club. Love that place. Uh, a place called Beerland. But we we made some good connections down there, and and somehow we it we'd always set that as our anchor date. We'd get down there. Like we'd we'd go to South by Southwest, and we'd play seven or seven to ten shows in, in four days. We'd just be going all over the place. These guys would help us out and hook us up with a picnic here and a, and a little showcase there. And, and you know, you'd get the, the official South by Southwest showcase and you show up and play that. And it wasn't any big deal. The the real fun shows were the backyard parties and stuff. Yeah. You know, no, I was where at, you uh, don't know what's going to happen. I was one at one of the first South by's in the late 80s and you know, back yeah. then, the rest of the world, the rest of us were finally starting to discover Austin, Texas, which was really starting to get a small Jew going in the late 60s, early 70s with the 
Armadillo World Headquarters, yeah. back in the South by, there'd be maybe five, six hundred bands. So it was kind of doable, or maybe, maybe 50, you know, 1,000, 1,500 people in for the conference, you know, music uh, aficionados, music business people. And then by the end, I played down there in 2012. It was out of control. I mean, you know, like mm-hmm. Jay Z was playing down there. Springsteen was playing down there. Uh, there was literally yeah. 6,000 bands in town. It was like there was yeah. no oxygen left for independent musicians like you and I. It kind of turned into something else. I remember we went and saw the Pretenders, and I was so excited to see the Pretenders, and we're we're just screaming and yelling. I look around, and everybody's looking at their phones and, and talking. You know? Oh, I know. <laughs> this is a concert, people. Yeah. You know, I did a gig up here about a month ago in Carlton, a place called Oldenburg House at the Honeybee Festival. It was a uh, uh, benefit for the uh, people that are uh, helping honeybees protect their habitat. And there was a friend of mine who was looking at her phone during my whole gig, and I kind of jumped on her a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> because now you could see it. I mean, you know, you could all see people talking to each other, but now it's so obvious that they aren't listening. Yeah. And then she came up to me after she goes, Paul, I was streaming your show live. I go, okay, I take it all back. I take it all back. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, but that's, you know, just, uh, it's tough enough sometimes. Plain if you're, if you're having a less than perfect gig. And let me ask you this. Tell me, uh, what was the worst gig you think you ever played in terms of audience response? Uh, less than, uh, uh, Generous bar owners, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure you've had some um, dogs. Well, this place in, you know, what comes to mind is this place in Frostburg, Maryland, where the, the sound guy just got a new compressor and he really didn't know how to use it. And it was basically 45 minutes of feedback from the PA system and an empty, empty room. <laughs> and I tried to explain to him from the stage how to work that compressor i said see that threshold knob you want to turn that clockwise and and then it'll stop feeding back he wouldn't he wouldn't listen to me though and <laughs> yeah you run into stuff like that what was most the, of those think, bad gigs i i forget them i forget all about them what uh tell me about one of your and i'm sure you've had dozens if not hundreds of favorites but tell us a gig that you didn't really expect to be as glorious as it became by the end of the night. Um, boy, I don't know. There's, there's probably a lot of those. I, I, I like to hope for the best, but expect the worst. A lot of these times. Mm-hmm. And, well, there's, you know, one, one show that really stands out. Um, this, this is kind of like a fairy tale where we uh, we were down in Austin with Old Yeller, and we we went to see Willie Nelson and the, the Jayhawks and Lucinda Williams opened. And wow. we were walking. We thought we were going to pay, and for some reason we got they, they they let us in for not for free. And we we're walking in. We go, how did that just happen? And then I'm face to face with Gary Lewis, and he goes, Hey, are you guys going to play the show? And I said, What are you What are you talking about? The show. He goes, at the Guthrie. I said, well, I, I didn't hear nothing about it. He said, 
well, we're, we're playing next week at the Guthrie Theater, and I thought you guys were going to open. And this is, you know, we're walking into this big show at see where I just said, yeah, we'll play. <laughs> and the next week, right after we got, got home from, from Austin, we're playing at the Guthrie Theater, opening for the Jayhawks. And that was, that was pretty awesome, pretty tremendous. Well, I had my goal when I moved to Minneapolis in 78 was my only goal was to play the Guthrie Theater because I saw Leo Kotke there in 1972. In fact, I just listened to the record. My feet are yeah. smiling recorded that night. And I was about 16 or 17. I walked out of that concert and I said, that's what I want to do with my life. And my yeah. only goal in the town in 78 was to play the Guthrie. And if I can brag a little bit, I played there eight times, sold it out and 94 with a 10 piece band. I just found the third set of that in my storage unit. So I was talking to Rob Hillstrom down in the cities last night about maybe getting that out sooner than later. But uh, tell us about very cool years. I try to say how glorious the acoustics were in the original Guthrie theater. Oh my God. I mean, you could hear a pin drop. It, it was, People were actually listening, and we'd get to the end of the song, and you couldn't really see the audience that well. But boy, they—they they sure were listening, and they were—they were there, and they—they they applauded greatly, and and we just felt so good. We actually did get a recording of that set. That should, we should release sometime. Oh, I—I think that your next release. That's about twenty well, years ago already. Well, that's what the hell, man. Good music ages like fine wine. Uh, yeah. You know, Rich, that people ask me, they go, it's really hard to play those big shows. And I go, no. I said, it's easier to play the big shows than the small shows because the people pay whatever they pay. First Animal, so they pay 10 or 12 bucks. Got three theater, they play 15 to 30. You know, bigger shows are there. Play more in your opening for these national acts. People just yeah. assume because they've already paid their money that you're going to be good. So they're not yeah. there to judge you. It's the places where they walk in the corner bar where there's no cover and there's 30 to 50 people there. Those are the ones that scare the hell out of me. Yeah. I, I guess, Even though I you can win those people for, over, you know. Yeah. yeah. I'm always up for the challenge. Yeah. So uh, now let's talk about uh, playing up on Iron Range. You did a great interview that people could see on Rich Matson on Facebook a couple of weeks ago. I'm assuming was a younger Iron Range writer. And you really yeah. had a lot of great insight into the possibility of the Iron Range becoming a really cool up-and-coming rehab musical community across the 30 miles of the Iron Range. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just... I kind of think back to before there, you know, there's a time before there were records and before people, you know, went on tour, there's always, there's probably a music scene back in the early 1900s or the 1800s. There's, there's like some guy with a guitar that, that brings up people's spirits and people gather around and sing songs. And, and then there'd be like a traveling minstrel that comes through town and, and plays music. And, and, you know, then there's, you know, people hear that and they get inspired to pick it up and, and there's more and more musicians and, and they band together and kind of make a little music scene. And 
people know them as the artists around town. And, and I think, I think in any little community, you know, there, there's potential for that. And I keep getting these people in my studio from all over the state. I have, I have this guy from, uh, Ottawa, Ottawa, Minnesota. And he's, he's playing every, just down in that area. There's, you know, there's, it's, there's a music, there's these little music scenes popping up in these small towns and it's so cool. It doesn't always have to be some big time thing. It's just, you know, music is part of our life. You know, I don't know. You might've been a little too young to hear the Pike River Bottom Boys. A great kind of I remember Pike River group. Bottom Boys. Yeah, well, Rodney Jackson used to sit in with them every now and then. And Rodney could, he had a couple of, signature tunes he had a, a good muddy waters tune he'd play and uh and uh he he wrote a song that you should tell your buddy but it was called from ottawa to ottawa <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh rich master this i'm so delighted to uh to talk with you and um so well, you got, uh, what's, what's the fall plans for Sparta Sound and Rich Manson? I've got, I've got some recording sessions lined up for the fall. Um, and we've, we've got some shows. We're going to play in Minneapolis once a month for the next three, four months. See how that goes. We're playing the, the, the clubs that you need to show proof of a vaccination or, or a negative COVID test. So, cause we got to play it safe. Jermaine, she's got asthma. She's she's very wary of the whole COVID virus. I am too. We're both vaccinated. Yeah, couldn't wait to get vaccinated actually, so we could get back yeah. to back out there and playing. So Not rich. we've got a show coming up at the the Driftwood, and then we're going to be playing at the Astor Cafe, and then we'll have another show at Palmer's. So we're just going to make rounds. Now, Rich, uh, give us your uh, give us the website where people can find number one ordering information for the record. Number two, where you guys are going to be gig- gigging? Uh, it's richmatsonmusic.com is my website, and I've I've got to update that calendar. I think I might be able to get to that this weekend. But uh, there's a calendar. There's a real long-winded bio in there, and there's a discography where I've got all my releases listed and links to where you can hear them. Well, Rich Manson, songwriter, guitar player, studio owner, record label owner, booking agent. You pretty much wear every hat you need to wear in this business, don't you, Rich? I, I, I was even uh, fixing my van the other day, too. <laughs> yeah, but Rich, you're fixing the car, and you're with one of the prettiest girls in northern Minnesota who's going to sing. The last song uh, today off your record, Skylights, is a two called Kiss the Sky. Tell us how you met uh, Jermaine and because uh, you guys are really the Johnny Cash and June Carter of northern Minnesota. So tell us a little bit about the love affair and the music uh, that you guys create together. Well, Jermaine and I, we met back in the early 90s when I was with the Glenn Russell. She, she was in an all-girl punk rock band called Smut. She was the lead singer, and I was kind of scared of her. I didn't really talk to her back then. She was beautiful and and kind of spooky. <laughs> and years later, in 1998, 
she moved to Ely. And she started, she picked up the guitar, she started writing songs. And uh, eventually when I moved there up to Sparta in 2005, she got in touch with me about recording her songs. And we, we started working together in the studio and we got to be really good friends. And we just, we just got to be, I mean, real close friends, you know, and after a few years, we, uh, we started playing music together because I backed her up on her albums and I started playing some gigs with her. And I think it was around 2009, 2010, we fell in love and we pretty much formed a partnership with our music and decided to just go go for broke to, together. That's a beautiful love story and a great way to end this interview with my good buddy, Rich Masson, fellow Finn, fellow musician, fellow Iron Rangers. I'm going to be up north in a couple of weeks. I've got to give you a heads up. we got to get together. And uh, yeah. give Jermaine my best. Catch some fish. Have a great weekend. And I uh, hope you get the van fixed. And uh, we're going to go out with a song that Jermaine sings called Kiss the Sky of Skylight. Oh, beautiful tune by Rich Madsen in the North Coast. Thanks so much, man. I really enjoyed it. And uh, you have a beautiful weekend. Thank you, Paul. Good talking to you. listening to the Long Power Radio Hour. The show was produced by Paul Metza, engineered by Brett Johnson. We'd like to thank our guest, Rich Manson. Check out his records at richmansonmusic.com. We listen to Skylights tonight, uh, February 2021, 20, released by Rich Manson in the North Coast. We'd like to thank our great sponsor, School of Rock, Eden Prairie. Follow me at paulmetza.com. We've got a lot of great shows coming up. In the fall of 2021 and beyond on AM 950. And like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy. There will be no power broker.